You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 123, we're discussing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and finally laying down our Deadpool 2 spoiler mini-review. I'm one of your host, Tim. And I'm Sanjay. Our dude Troy is out for this week, so you're stuck for the next hour or so with Sanjay and I. And we're, like I said, we're going to be talking about this brand new trailer from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This looks absolutely fantastic are we sure this is from sony it i don't know this is a bit of a weird one i'm loving what they're doing here though we're gonna get into all of that though but we're also gonna get into our deadpool 2 spoiler review now this is gonna be our normal review our big long hour and a half two hour reviews this is gonna be a bit of a condensed mini review just because something we want to talk about but we're not gonna dedicate a whole episode to because a lot of people have seen this but at the same time, a lot of people haven't. So we want to be able mm-hmm. to bring that content, the news and reviews that we normally do every single week, but also give our opinion on Deadpool 2. And unfortunately, Troy is not here to lay that down, but he will be back next week and we get a little bit of his opinion there because it was just this past weekend that I actually finally saw this thing. Nice, nice. It's about time. Yeah, it is about time. It's, <laughs> it's something that I usually go opening weekend for these, but I can tell you off the top here. I really liked it, though. Oh, a little bit of a tease. A little bit of a tease. Yes, we will get into that towards the end of the podcast. We're going to kick this off like we always do with our week in nerd. Sanjay, how has this week been in comics and collecting? You know, comics and collecting, a uh, little bit slow this week, to be honest with you. Um, haven't had time to read too many comics this week, but I did check out a pretty sweet horror film, uh, Hereditary. So if you're into horror, you know, check this movie out. It is terrifying. I you know I not to be like a horror snob or like pull that card but like I have over like 500 horror films so I have quite a bit and I've seen quite a bit and after after you've seen a while you get desensitized yes. you know not a lot scares you it scares me anymore I can legitimately say this film scared the crap out of me so <laughs> it's a great film check it out if you haven't already um yeah a great film if that scared you then it would <laughs> terrify me I wouldn't be sleeping for days I'm not a horror guy <laughs> By any means, I stay quite a ways away from horror films. It's just not my area, not my niche, not where I like to be. Yeah. I'm much more in the bubbly, happy <laughs> Superman or Superman. Wow, there wow, you go. Wow, I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been five years almost since Man of Steel. That's right. Yeah, good good pull. I mean, five years ago tomorrow, actually, because this is coming out Thursday, five years ago yesterday, we were in, sitting in the theater together watching Man of Steel. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. And I actually quite enjoyed it. At yeah. the there. It was it was a movie that the trailers were cut really well. Mm-hmm. It had a very emotional feel to it. A very Sna- Zack Snyder feel to it. But at the same time, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't have any big problems with it. Now, later on, <laughs> if you chronicle through this podcast, you'll see where I do start to have issues. But this was a good way to kick off that universe, especially coming off the back end of the Nolanverse. Yeah. That was something that they sort of teased in this film, whether or not this was actually connected, Nolan being a producer on it. So there was a bit of legacy and a bit of very loose ties, I would say. Maybe not in the film universe, but from a production standpoint, to that Nolanverse. And people were looking for that to be included into this. Oh, yeah. unfortunately, it wasn't. 
and we are going forward in a big way, I think, with DC. Yeah, that's right. Some big news this week. But before we get into that, how has your week in Nerd been? You know, man, it, it's been slow again. It's yeah. been a slow few weeks. It feels like the summer, it always slows yeah. down. Yeah. So I took that opportunity to actually go back and read and catch up on some Star Wars comic books. I read mm. the brand new Lando Double or Nothing book, which nice. is fantastic. This is a five-issue miniseries. that I happens. love that cover. It's beautiful, isn't it? Happens before Solo, a Star Wars story. And also caught up on Vader, which is just a fantastic comic book. You got to get into this, man. Trade paperback, whatever. It is It is so good. We're going to get into another huge arc in the next, so I think, believe in August, Fortress Vader. Oh, everything's looking just on point there. Charles Soule's absolutely nailing this comic book. Just another quick plug here. I do another podcast called TSW Comics with my dude Rob Cast. We just recorded our first episode in a few months as there was nice. a big transition in talk stores. So that's coming out this Thursday as well. So it's going to come at the same time as this podcast. But make sure you go check that out. We go through in a quite a bit of detail and focus in on the Star Wars comics, what's we've really been reading over the last couple of months and then we actually review Lando double or nothing spoiler free review nice nice so you know i haven't picked this up yet but i will be getting it uh, i sent you a picture and maybe we'll uh put a picture up on our twitter what did you think of the lando or not the lando the solo steelbook reveal i really liked it it had yeah. what is it it's kind of white with the with like an orange blue background yeah and with... it's got the millennium falcon on it, the lando right. falcon on it yeah yeah which is kind of interesting because all the other ones were just like the one character on it. Yeah. Up until The Rogue Last one. Jedi. Rogue One. Yeah, that's right. Rogue One changed it and The Last Jedi changed it. For some reason, a little bit annoyed that they changed it, but whatever. So what do you think? Do you think they should have just went with just the obvious Han Solo on the front? It's kind of weird that they don't even put, you know, the film's titled Solo and they don't even put him on the cover. Yeah, be one of the main characters on the cover in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's something a little different. I'm okay with that. I like it. It. I guess you could have do. And did they ever do variant covers for Steelbooks? Or is it usually just the single, the one issue, here's what you're going to get, and then your variant covers come with slip covers on Blu-rays and that? Uh, very rare. Yeah. Like, Mondo has a couple where there's, like, a variant cover where they just change the colors. But very rare that you get, like, a variant steelbook. But that'd be something cool. That'd be really cool if they had something. Well, they did one for Age of Ultron, right? The back. That's right, yeah, Vision and Ultron. Yeah, so they do it sometimes. But steelbooks, again, is a very niche collecting yeah. piece. It's not something that is overly prevalent and you're one of the few guys that i know outside of really myself i'm kind of on the periphery of that that actually collects steelbooks in a big way and they're like the thing is about them too is there's so few of them yeah. they're very collectible and worth quite a bit of money oh yeah like you know the nice thing is that with 4k coming out they're still the same size as the blu-ray steelbook i feel bad for all those dvd steelbook collectors because they're a little bit bigger than the blu-ray ones and now, like, no one wants to get them, right? Even though it's, like, the exact same thing, just a little bit taller. Every time I see a DVD still book, I'm like, yeah, pass. Even if it's, like, two bucks, I'm like, yeah, pass. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get it. Which you, is too bad because it's just, it's the same thing. You steel book snob. I am a snob. Yeah, <laughs> horror and steel book yeah. snobbery. It's okay to have be a little snobby when it comes to your collecting because you have you got to have that collection. you got to condense it down yeah. so it looks good on the shelf. It's true. It's like a wine connoisseur. Exactly. Exactly. you got to yeah. treat it like that. <laughs> and the only other thing I got up to this week is i did buy a really small lego i bought the infinity war outrider dropship attack now it was only 16 dollars, and the main reason i bought it was that it came with a captain america minifigure now i've fallen into a bit of this focus collecting recently trying to narrow my focus on my greater collection yeah and one of my focus characters is captain america so i found myself chasing a lot of things like little lego minifigures funko pops and all that 
yeah. with Captain America in them. So I've been able to really cut back on a few things. But the nice thing this did is it was only 16 bucks. I got the minifigure and my daughter quite likes building. She's only three and a half. Yeah. But she quite likes just sitting there going through and building the minifigures. It had Black Widow in it. So she was pretty stoked that it had a girl nice, in it. Nice, nice. So it was kind of fun. We just sat down in the basement, her and I, this weekend. And we put it all together and then she flew the ship around. It was it was a blast. A great, great way to spend a nice evening with my daughter. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And then we watched Incredibles 1. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you guys can go see Incredibles 2 in theaters? Definitely. She quite enjoyed it. She liked the little baby. She And this, again, comes down to this idea. And this would be a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> having female representation in films is such a huge thing. And yeah. it's hard for me, I guess, out of the gate, before I had my daughter, to fully appreciate that. Yes, of course, I've always supported that idea. But now watching things through my daughter's eyes, the importance of having a character that she can connect with Mm -hmm. in a film makes all of the difference. If it's only boys or guys on screen, she has a tendency to kind of zone out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But if there's a female character, like even she loves Paw Patrol. Oh, and Sky and Everest (laughs) are her two favorite. Like when they're on the screen, she is fixated on it. Oh, yeah. And the same way with this. Like, she saw Black Widow was in here. She was really into this. She likes spaceships as well. And then even The Incredibles. She liked the daughter. She liked the mom, right? And she right. likes little babies, too. But it was it was really interesting to watch that. And with that appreciation, continue to grow in me. And I've spoke about it in the past with Star Wars, with Princess Leia mm-hmm. and Rey and Jin and Hera and all these characters that she looks and sees and says, yeah, she is kind of like me. Yeah. And that's her avenue in. And I love that. And it's it's really great to see that everything from Lego to film to TV, whatever, she has that avenue in because they've been making an effort. Disney and Marvel and even DC, right? With oh, Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah. They've been making this huge concerted effort to have strong female characters present in their films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's doing wonders for that younger generation, at least from what I'm seeing. Oh, yeah. And the box office is reflecting it as well. I mean, look at how good Wonder Woman did. And this weekend, Ocean's Eight, yeah. um, you know, like the reboot, but uh, the all-female cast killed it at the yeah, box. Yeah, forty million, highest of the franchise. Yeah, so. I mean, the thing is, just make good stories, but make good stories for everyone. You know, like I'm happy to see like a Wonder Woman movie and a Superman movie. Yeah, they can both coexist. Exactly. You, know? you can have that focus and this focus, but you just kind of need the diversity. It needs to be there. It, we're you know we're in 2018. There's no denying that we live in a very diverse culture, very mm-hmm. di- diverse society, diverse world, and that needs to be reflected in our films. And I'm happy that we're seeing that. Yeah. And it's, it's great. I, I absolutely love it. And we need more of it. We need the diversity in directors and producers and all, you know, everything. Like, we're, we're slowly getting there. Yeah, yeah. Slowly getting there. But as, like I said, with my daughter and with your daughter and all that, I feel that my appreciation for it is way higher than it was before like it's always been high but i'm seeing the importance of it firsthand now oh yeah and you mentioned a good point about female directors female writers i mean you look at patty jenkins and what she did with wonder woman you know if you had a man directing that film i don't know if it turns out as good she she did a lot of stuff she fought for that film she's she's a huge fan of the character yeah you know so it, it's important you know and it's, it's nice to see and even like uh, not just like male female but you look at black panther yeah. ryan coogler awesome the representation matters and it matters at all levels so it's it's nice to see yes it definitely is is. (laughs) all right well i think that really takes care of this week in nerd like i said a really slow week for the both of us but hopefully 
we get things picking up here over the next couple of weeks with maybe the release of some new comic books and finally getting some solo figures on the peg. Still haven't seen much, <laughs> but we bang on about that every week. But anyways, before we get onto the news here, I just wanted to do one shout out and that is to Podbean. I wanted to thank them once again for having us as a featured podcast of the week on their main page. We're still up there, it kind of lingers for a little bit. We're still in the feature, just not the site of the week. But we just wanted to thank them for being a great hosting site as well as taking the time to promote us via Twitter and Facebook. Facebook. This is something that they don't have to do, but they took that opportunity about with us being the featured podcast, threw it a couple of tweets promoting us. So it was fantastic to see them putting that effort into a relatively small podcast. What do you mean small? Yeah. <laughs> huge podcast. I yeah, mean. absolutely. Huge. We're huge. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Podbean. That's awesome. You guys are great. Thanks for promoting us and uh, thanks for giving us the whole year for free, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're listening, right? <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into some DC talk. We haven't talked about DC in any great detail because we hadn't really any news in the last little it's bit. It's been quiet. Yes, it has. But building into San Diego Comic-Con, you can see that machine starting to roll. Now, there are rumors swirling about. And as this podcast may drop... We may start to eat our words because an Aquaman trailer is rumored to drop sometime this week. I was hoping it would drop prior to us recording this episode, but that doesn't appear to be the case. So what we're going to do here is really speculate on what we want from the trailer and what we need from this trailer. So this film comes out in December. That's right. Kind of in that normal Star Wars slot. It is the second, I guess, third big solo film in the DC Extended Universe behind Superman and Wonder Woman, or Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's right, yeah. There was... There is, I guess, a, a some sort of con going on in Europe called Cinecon, or Cine Europe, sorry. And there's a tweet that came out from it that they did actually screen the footage that they're probably going to show here in the next little bit. Now, this is coming from, from Twitter, and it was retweeted a bunch of times, but this is what they said about the Aquaman trailer. Okay. Full of not just traditional action and mind-bending VFX, but good humor also. The unusually brighter visuals also caught the eye, rarely encountered with DC. Wow. Yeah, I always think that's kind of odd because you look at movies like Suicide Squad with all the neon, Wonder Woman, you know, I thought those had nice visuals in Justice League. I think just just the Zack Snyder led films are kind of that's just his personal style. But I always laugh at that when people say like the dark and gritty DC. Well, and there's a reference in Deadpool to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic. But I think that it's less maybe about the actual visuals themselves. Like they're always been great in the DC extended universe, but they always seem to have that like sepia tone or whatever. Yeah, something put over top of it to make it feel a little like the sun is constantly being blocked out. (laughs) But it appears that things are slightly changing here. Now, Aquaman, coming off of Justice League, he was a favorite of ours in that film. He he brought a lot of enthusiasm to the role, both from Jason Momoa and from an acting standpoint, kind of integrating him into the wider Justice League, where you do have characters like Batman and like Superman that were a little sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he is a lot of fun to watch and he has this energy when he's on stage promoting the thing that makes you want to go and watch what he's going to put to screen. Now, with this trailer, with what this film needs to do for the DC Extended Universe, it needs to be another Wonder Woman, Yeah, in my opinion. It needs to hit strong. It needs to bring in a different crowd to the DC Extended Universe so that you are getting people beyond fandom. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you need from this trailer, or what do you think you need from this trailer? Or maybe I should rephrase that, because you need 
Aquaman on the screen. I just need him to show up and say, my man, my and man. then leave the stage and I'd be like, that was the greatest trailer ever. Of all time. <laughs> so let me rephrase that. What do you think the general population, people maybe like me that haven't always been super supportive of exactly what they're constructing in the DC Extended Universe? I'm a lot better now, the last two films. But what do you think they need to put on to screen to get people's attention? Yeah, I think what they really need to sell is that this movie is going to be different. It's like going to be the first movie maybe ever or in a very long time that's going to take place completely underwater. Not completely, but like the majority underwater. Mm. So what they really got to do is sell that this is separate. This is like a new um, new movie that you go in. It's something that you've never seen before. It's going to be funny. It's going to have great action. Um, it's going to have great supporting cast. That includes uh, Mira... Uh, Black Manta, Ocean Master, all the other people in the film, not just Aquaman. So you're going to have to showcase that. You don't really need, I don't think, too much plot, to be honest, at this point. No. It's just a teaser. We don't want to... I don't even think they should show the villains yet. I say leave them. If they show them, great. But if they can hold off a bit, even better. I think what you really need is just some cool shots. Get people excited. Be like, okay, yeah, like this actually looks like it's going to be different from the other films that that i didn't enjoy and i think they need to have like that money shot something that people on twitter and facebook can turn into a gif or a gif or however you pronounce it (laughs) something where it's aquaman either riding a shark or you know mind controlling a shark or something like that where people can like retweet and share and spread and kind of be like this movie's gonna be awesome and then when someone like is negative and it's like oh aquaman sucks and then they could like post that gif of him riding a shark great white shark and be like are you sure he sucks you sure bro yeah (laughs) something like that because i think that'll go a long way into you know then general audience would be like okay like that was pretty cool i've never seen that before maybe i'll give it a chance on december yeah i think i think you're right there i think what they need to do is tell less of a story within the trailer you know some trailers have a tendency to want to walk you through the very in a very general sense the plot of the film right this doesn't need to be that this like you said needs to be money shots it needs to be something that gets people excited but like this tweet said it needs to show that it's a bit more lighthearted because this is mm-hmm. the tone they want to strike i think with aquaman yeah. and say look this is a different type of character we're telling a different type of story here and do what marvel's done in the past is almost genre bend the superhero or the comic book movie films and say maybe we're going to lean a bit more on the comedy for this one one woman we're doing a period piece whatever comes next with batman it's going to be a serious action piece so do different tones and let those franchises carry the tones as opposed to trying to jam it all together like jason momoa he's a guy that can deliver the same way hemsworth does in those films right yeah he's a big dude very imposing but he also has the comedic chops. So let him deliver those lines. And we also need to see, I think, some big wide shots of Atlantis as well as some of the underwater stuff. Mm-hmm. They have to impress with that and show that, yes, visually, this is also a very different film. We're doing the whole underwater thing for, let's say, 60% of the film. And we're actually going to show it to you guys here. That's why we waited so long because we want to show off what we've done here, the technology and how it's going to look. Oh, yeah, like, especially in that December time slot, you look at a movie like Avatar, basic story, not that great, but the special effects for the time were the best they've ever been. Yeah. And that movie went on to make, like, $2, $3 billion. $2.7 billion. <laughs> Not that we're bitter that it's the highest grossing no. film or anything. And then nothing will ever overtake it, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that this has a chance to really break out from that crowded December time slot and be the Jumanji this year. Yes. Make 
you know, make 300 million. I, you know, I, I think this could actually make 250 to 300 million at North American box office. Yeah. It's got to get the buzz early here. Yeah. It's got to do a bit more than even that Venom trailer. Yeah. Because for me, like a lot of people were like, yeah, Venom looks great. Uh, you know, for me, I'm still not hooked. They need a little more yeah. to hook people in because this is going to sit in front of Jurassic World 2. It's going to be a huge opening for Jurassic World. Exactly. So a lot of eyes. Exactly. You need the eyes. You need something to be like, whoa, what is that? Like, yeah. that looks pretty cool. And you want people chasing this after. Like, what was that trailer that we saw in front of Jurassic World? Yeah. Is that awkward? the same guy from Justice League? This looks fantastic. Like, that's the oh, type yeah. of talk you need. Yeah, yeah. And to generate, like, I'm not a master trailer cutter or anything like that. But you want to feel, I think you want something, like I said, visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Some of that humor. And you want to make it feel a little rock and roll. Like, oh, let yeah. Jason Momoa shine in this trailer. Because yeah. he's the guy you need to put on a pedestal in this first trailer you can build the the supporting cast later on Mm -hmm. you can bring in your miras your whatever black man so anything you want in a further down trailer once you have people hooked yeah the way to hook people jason momoa front and center what do you think is more important for this film to be certified fresh and around tomatoes and get like a 70 and above critic response or to make like 250 300 million dollars I think a bit of both. I think even if the critics kind of beat this around, yeah. I think you need to have really good word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Like the same way that Solo, like it's in a different frame, I guess, because the where fandom is at this point. But it had fairly good word of mouth. Like it's people were excited about yeah, that movie it, coming and, out. And even if you look at the audience score; it's still fairly high. Like it's been beat up by the boycotters and all that. But at the same time, you've got a good general reception, I would say. I think it's important for this film to be well-received by the audience. Yeah. If critics don't get on board, that's fine. Usually, if it's good enough, they're somewhat equal. Yeah. And does it need to make a ton of money? It needs to show profitability, that they want to dump money into these solo films. But it's also got to hit with fandom, right? It's got to, you know, we're almost at this fork in the road of the DC Extended Universe, you know, we're, we're leaning, like, we're coming up to it. We're leaning towards the right with Wonder Woman. I think they did a little better with Justice League. They're at a pivot point here. Like, if they go left, they go off the cliff. If they go right with Aquaman and are successful, then they can continue with, with this franchise overall. Oh, yeah. And yeah. start to grow it from, again, the grassroots. Mm-hmm. Like, your Aquaman's Wonder Woman's slot in a Batman. We've got Green Lantern Corps now here that's confirmed to be written by jeff johns so we need to start to build that momentum and how are they going to do that with these solo characters i think they need to step away from the big crossovers for now and concentrate on building up individual franchises that's how people want to watch these films and need to give us that foundation first yeah i agree i mean the solo films if you look at them they've only released two man of steel and wonder woman and those are the general audience's two favorites exactly so i mean the solo films they actually do pretty well on it's their team up films that people kind of beat around yeah and it's i think too when you look at their i'm not going to get into a huge discussion here about their team up films but it's somewhat of a lack of connection with the general audience to the characters yeah like you go into the marvel stuff and people are like oh there's cap oh there's this that and the other thing oh thor's back oh this is fantastic oh yeah yeah really connected and invested in the characters it's the solo films that make you do that mm-hmm. that's what they need to deliver from aquaman and i think i think they're gonna get there i'm, I'm really really excited for this film because i love jason momoa He's and great. i'm really hoping that this first trailer that next week if we're just we're talking about this that we have all positive things to say think about we could have an aquaman trilogy if this thing hits an aquaman and a wonder woman trilogy wild there you go who would have thought in a million years <laughs> sitting here when you were a kid that you would have ever expected an aquaman trilogy 
Or Wonder Woman trilogy. Yeah. It's or wild. Black Panther trilogy. Exactly. Well, we're going to get probably all three of them. At least two of the three. Yeah. We'll oh, see later on December if we're going to get the third. But I think it's all positive. And now, I mentioned Jeff Johns here. He, he's right. now subsequently stepped down from being the DC Entertainment president. Okay. As well as the chief creative officer for DC Entertainment. So one of those roles, I think the creative officer he held since 2010. And the DC Entertainment president was only since 2016. So he stepped away from that role as Warner Brothers is looking like they're shaking up a bit more of their senior presidents and senior staff and all that in that division. So it looks like they're starting to maybe want to craft something a bit more similar to Marvel, having Mm -hmm. someone helm all this. But he's also coming off of that. He's now doing and stepping into more of a creative role, like down in the trenches type, where he's going to be writing and producing... Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, exciting stuff. Yes, and he announced, along with his new production company that is going to be producing this film, or at least contributing to the production of it, that the two main characters are Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Yeah, that's brilliant. What are your thoughts? Now, Deadpool 2 had a few things to say about <laughs> the last Green Lantern film. That's right, yeah. They weren't too kind on that one. Um, honestly, this is going to be a tough sell to general audiences because that movie's kind of been beat up about a lot, and... You know, the last film that kind of had a soft reboot was The Hulk, where the first one was beat up quite a bit by general yeah. audiences. Second one comes out. You know, second one's okay. It's not amazing, but it tanked at the box office. Like, it certainly deserved a better fate at the box office. So I think this movie already is, like, behind the eight ball. It's very hard to kind of, like, reboot a film that failed. It's v- it's very rarely done. Yeah, I would say like the examples, at least from the comic book movie perspective, Fantastic Four. Yeah, reboot didn't land. No, Hulk. Yeah, it landed, but it's one of the weaker MCU films. Now it was coming right out of the gate as well. Yeah, so that's fine. The stuff with Batman, we've never been able to eclipse or even match the height of Batman from the Nolan trilogy. I don't think we might. We might never. But it did reboot from Batman and Robin. True. So true. it did yes. take from the Schumacher verse and went to Nolan. So it can be done. That's true. Yeah, it can be done. I'm trying to think of any other franchises. Super, Superman? Yeah. You had the Christopher Reeves and you had... Um, Brandon Ralph stuff. Brandon Ralph and uh, mm. Henry Cavill now. So yeah. it's been through a couple. Yeah, so we've seen quite a few reboots. You are right. So we're kind of hit and miss here. Daredevil was That's another true. one that was rebooted now Star into TV. Trek. Yeah, so we've seen, we've seen a lot of successes here of reboots. And that seems to be a general theme going around. Mm-hmm. They're usually a bit more removed from each other than this. I think, when did that come out? 2004? It came out the same year. Oh, Green Lantern? No, it came out the same year as uh, Dark Knight Rises, I believe. 2012. 2012 or 2008, one of the two. Yeah. Maybe it came out in between. Because remember, Green Lantern was supposed to kick off the DC Connected Universe. Yeah. That was going to be like the one. And if it hit, to be fair, Ryan Reynolds is Hal Jordan. I didn't mind him as Hal Jordan. Yeah. He's he, much better as Deadpool. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Completely agree. And interesting fact, uh, Taika Waititi's in that movie. Is he? Yeah, he plays the best friend, uh, uh, Hal, Hal Jordan. Oh, wow. I'll have to go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, he's in it. I think he said... I'm not going to go back and watch it. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> As a DC fan, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> As a non-DC fan, it's awful. But yeah, he said he actually took a lot of the mistakes from that film and corrected them for Thor Ragnarok. So. Oh, there you go. So you're welcome, MCU. Thank uh, you. DC helped you with Thank Ragnarok. You. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to ask one question about this film. Yeah. Can they get away with doing somewhat of a carbon copy of Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, I was thinking about that, and they definitely need to copy it in the way that it has to be set more in space. Yeah. 
the Green Lantern movie set on Earth doesn't work. I mean, this is the guy that can create whatever he wants with his mind. There's a lot of cool alien planets. Um, there's a lot of cool like alien um, storylines you go with. You have Sinestro. You have a whole... In my opinion, you could do a whole like X-Men universe, if you will, based on the Green Lantern yeah. Corps. There's many different Green Lanterns. There's green, yellow, blue, indigo, black, white, uh, gold, I think. I don't know. But there's like there's pretty much all the color, all the colors. Um, so yeah, you know, make it like out there. Use green uh, guardians as kind of like a like like blueprint. a blueprint. Yeah, as a blueprint, if you will. Have them go into space. Have this one not as serious. Um, I don't think the first one was the uh, Green Lantern was serious, but you know, this definitely has to have like the humor in it. Yeah. I don't. You could do like a serious one, but I don't. I don't know if it would land. I think you need to do something light with this one, but not like too light. You know, what I mean, like not make it like Ragnarok. But something like in between Ragnarok and the Dark Knight. Yeah. Which or is... I'd even say between Ragnarok and maybe the first Guardians. Yeah. Like tone it down a little bit. Like first Guardians is quite funny. Yeah. But the color palette wasn't as bright as you do get with Guardians Galaxy Volume 2 and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. So maybe something along those lines. And I'm wondering, do you think they're going to do an origin story? Or are they just going to jump in the deep end? Because the way I picture this is like a Nova Corp type thing. Yeah. We have this established police unit. Maybe... I, which one's younger, Hal Jordan? No, Hal Jordan. They're saying Hal Jordan will be like the mentor, yeah. and John Stewart will be the younger Green Lantern. Okay, Lander. cool. So I'm happy having that, having some established universe. We don't need to go and revisit him getting the ring and all that. Mm-hmm. Let's just jump into the deep end here and see how it goes. Do more of the space opera type thing, yeah, and get into it that way. Like tell your origin story of John Stewart in the credits or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, and then just go into it and be like, "This is a Green Lantern corpse. You guys kind of get it from before." But this is a brand new thing. This is going to be awesome. So I'm actually, you know, out of all of the films that DC has lined up, like they've announced like 15 of them. <laughs> this one I'm quite curious about and I'm mm-hmm. cautiously optimistic about because I think it has a lot of potential oh, yeah. to do really cool things and really do a Guardians of the Galaxy-esque type of film with a DC spin. That's what they need to do. They need to take that blueprint and kind of rework it in their own formula and do their own thing. But also remember that something's been set up in the past year. Like yeah. the Guardians came out, there's a raccoon, a tree, two green people, and a <laughs> yeah. dude. And this thing that's taken off is one of the most popular franchises going today. It's crazy how popular it is. Yeah, it's, it's wild. So they need to do something like that. They need to be creative like that. They need to have characters that I wouldn't say mirror them, but have some semblance of, yeah, this is pretty wild, but we can make these characters quite endearing. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, the one thing that it has going for it is Jon Stewart is more known in the public eye than Hal Jordan because of the Justice League cartoon. It was Hal, it was uh, Jon Stewart who was on the Justice League, and it wasn't Hal Jordan. So, you know, Jon Stewart, um, pretty cool Green Lantern. I don't know too much about him. I think he was in the Navy or the Army. I can't remember. Um, or the Marines. Um, but then he gets the Green Lantern ring, so be interesting to see how they do it i'm a little bit disappointed that john stewart's gonna be younger because i always wanted Idris elba to play john yeah. stewart it's the perfect casting don glover no <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might work but uh he's kind of busy with all his marvel stuff now and his yeah. star wars stuff so i don't know who they're gonna get i mean there's rumors that like people were talking about the director of mission impossible yeah. directing this and bringing tom cruise in as hal jordan okay i don't i don't really know who i was you know i love that what about john boyega for john stewart Oh, that would be amazing. He's kind of tied into Star Wars a bit, but... Ah, he could do it going to space again. Yeah. And uh, actually, John Krasinski for Hal Jordan. No, I want him for Mr. Fantastic. No, no, no. He's he's coming to DC. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Stay away from John Krasinski. He's mine. <laughs> it's just like The Office, except like reverse. Yeah. Like we're like the Pams, and he, no, wait, we're like the Jims, and he's the Pam. <laughs> Come no. <laughs> Weird analogy, but we're gonna roll with it. <laughs> That's what we do here in the nerd room. Yes, we roll with Sanjay's analogies and go into the next topic. No, I'm really looking forward to Green Lantern Corps here. I think Jeff Johns is, he's. He's got a lot of work to do, I think, to make this land. But the nice thing and the good thing about him is he's got a lot of credentials when it comes to writing. He, he writes good comic books, but it's a big leap from comic book to screen. He needs to, yeah, they need to acknowledge that. And then him doing the script. So mm-hmm. he's not the one putting it to screen. Yeah. He's going to write the script or even just the story. Yeah. And then they adapt that. It was what I'm hoping. So he has the idea to construct something that feels like a comic book movie. And someone now takes that melds that into a script and then someone else puts it to screen yeah because like he's written the best green lantern comics in the last 20 years yeah so he has so much knowledge and they gotta mine his head and be like okay you know what would hal jordan do in this situation and he should be able he should be like a like yeah he should do this and this and then like someone else like pen the actual like dialogue and stuff but he definitely should be heavily involved but he should not be the only one involved exactly yeah they can't do this in isolation anymore yeah need to bring different creative force onto this to put a different spin to this type of film yeah agreed agreed all right well wow, we're agreeing we're on that agreeing a lot yeah green lantern corp let's 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 slide our, our discussion here over to another space opera not star wars now there's not a lot to discuss this week in the realm of star wars after these two big films coming out we're gonna see i think a bit of a lull there's been a game announced but we're gonna wait for troy to discuss some of that because he is the gamer amongst the three of us and there's some little tidbits of news and all that we're not going to get really into the idea of the toxicity of fandom only thing we're going to say there is that we don't condone any of this stuff that's been happening and our big message last week was be kind to one another it's okay to dislike something but you don't have to be a dick about it so (laughs) (laughs) dislike the characters but not the actors portraying them exactly exactly so the big thing happening in stars right now is still solo a star wars story it is Still in theaters, it's kind of getting beat up by all the films that have come in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's still taking a bit of a beating from Infinity War and Deadpool, but it is still performing. It came out of this weekend after 17 days in theaters with $176 million domestically. Woo. Yeah, so <laughs> and we've we kind of taken two different looks at the solo box office mm-hmm. over the last two weeks. We looked at it from an opening box office weekend how it was performing, and then we also last week looked at it from the perspective of the second weekend. How does it compare? A lot of people saying it saw a big drop. It did see a big drop, but it was in line with what we've been comparing it to over the last couple of weeks, and that's Marvel Phase 2 films, the origin stories even, right. in your Doctor Stranges. Now, what we're going to do this week, and this is kind of our final take on Solo a Star Wars Stories box office. We've done three weeks of it. We're going to put a full analysis together here, and hopefully it makes some sort of sense. But what we're going to do this week is look at the foreign performance because this is really where a lot of the money is made from the perspective of Marvel. Yeah. Not so much from Star Wars. But before we get into that, I just want to mention one thing. So we had that $176 million domestically. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a quick look back at what the other films that last week we were comparing it to did over their first 17 days. Okay. Thor 2, $167 million. Okay. In line. Doctor Strange, $181 million in the first 17 days. Directly in line. Yep. Ant-Man, $132 million in 17 days. So it's overperforming Ant-Man as yep. to be expected. Winter Soldier, $200 million in 17 days. So the Winter Soldier is starting to see, yep. starting to pull away a little bit here on the domestic growth side from Solo A Star Wars Story. Now, if right. you remember, Winter Soldier came out in April. 
didn't yeah. have any competition until sometime in mid-May. And it was an amazing, amazing And it was an amazing film. film. Very well-received film. So overall still, I think, it's fair to say that on average, Solo is performing directly in line with Marvel Phase 2 films. So direct follow-ups to the Solo outings in, fa- in Phase 1 and some of the origin stories in the early part of Phase 3 with Doctor Strange. So mm-hmm. I think from a domestic perspective... Yes, it is a Star Wars film. Yes, there's a consideration of budget. But again, coming back to the idea of taking your expectations and pulling them down a notch or two, lining up this film with maybe what we should expect, it's still performing directly in line with Phase 2 films, solo editing Phase 2 films. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with that. I think that domestically, yeah, you can call it whatever you want to call it. I think it's performing just fine. The issue now comes with the foreign performance. Mm-hmm. So when you look at those same four films, Marvel Phase 2 films, and the performance globally, Thor 2 did 6.44, Doctor Strange did 6.77, Ant-Man did 5.19, Winter Soldier did 7.14, globally. So, so that's the total globally? Total global. That's okay. domestic and foreign. Oh, wow, wow. So Solo right now, I believe, is sitting somewhere around $300 million, just over 300 maybe $330 million globally. I thought that's what it would do domestically. It's not going to touch even probably Doctor Strange or Thor 2. No, which is crazy. No. And so the big difference maker there is the foreign market. Yeah. Now, traditionally, really since Avengers, Marvel films have taken a large percentage of their global haul from the foreign market. Your China's, your European countries, even South America, like these are big players in the market of marvel films yeah so on average about 65 percent of the global haul comes from the foreign market and the domestic is contributing on the small end of that right yeah so your 35 percent of your your total global haul comes from domestic right so domestic isn't for marvel films isn't the most important piece of the puzzle oh not at all for the event films maybe for Black Panther, it was because this is kind of a cultural phenomenon. But yeah. at the same time, the foreign take really matters for those films. That's what's getting them up over $600 million globally. Mm-hmm. Now, we look at Star Wars, on average, even the huge films, even The Force Awakens, its foreign haul was only 54% of its global take. Wow. So on average, a Star Wars film is only 50-50. Yeah. So 15% less money coming in from the foreign markets. Yeah. So Star Wars traditionally at least since the disney era doesn't hit as hard and doesn't do as well in the foreign markets and so when you look at solo its foreign hall is only 43 percent of its total global take that's crazy so that you're looking at like 20 percent less yeah and when you're looking at just the way it's cut up than you are with marvel films so the big issue i don't think is the domestic total because it's performing normally i think yeah it's the foreign total that is the problem with this film and why it's not going to make back probably its production budget or pretty yeah. close to yeah when you look at it doubling up now like i said last week that's a bit of an anomaly but this foreign look at the box office is probably the more worrying end of it Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if this was performing, like, 50-50, you know, this would be, like, doing a little bit better. So, it wouldn't be, like, as bad. Like, you look at, like, Justice League. Like, the foreign actually did pretty good for Justice League, getting it up to, like, I think, 650. Yeah. So, that's, like, $400 million from the foreign. So, that was pretty good to see. But this one here isn't going to get saved by that foreign market. I mean, look at at Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformers, all these... Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious. All these franchises 
bomb or do okay in North America, but the overseas, they just rake in the money. Yeah, China, for whatever reason, loves Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And they're the second biggest market on the planet. They loved Infinity War. They love Marvel films. And Transformers. Those Ex- things do gangbusters in China. So that's what props them up. You look at a film like the last couple of Transformers that have made like a billion dollars yeah. globally, but only a couple hundred million domestically. Yeah. So this is a huge issue, I think, with Star Wars. Like even... Like Rogue One or The Last Jedi, it's still in that 50% range is coming mm-hmm. from the foreign market. Yeah, they're making a ton of money domestically. Yeah. But that seems to be where the primary fan base is for Star Wars. And that's the domestically. Yeah, you're getting a lot of money foreign, but you're not getting that. Like Thor 2, 68% of its haul came from the foreign market. <laughs> like that's a lot. Like that's like upwards of 70%. Like yeah. that's insane. It's insane. It is insane. Do you think this is like an, you know, this is like a Marvel doing super well foreignly compared to other franchises or is this just a star wars doing poorly compared to other franchises when we look at what we rattle off there yeah those movies aren't it's not like the quality matters right that's true yeah the the transformer stuff yes like they're big cgi filled movies but they're not like narratively they're not good yeah fast and furious yeah they're fun yeah but is it on the level of like a Ragnarok or anything? No, it's nowhere near that. Yeah. And Pirates of the Caribbean, the last few installments were, eh, they like they weren't really for me. But you look at the span of that, like it's not like there's a commonality there. It's not like they're all comic book movies. Yeah. Or all space movies or something like that. Like right. you're ranging from race cars to you know gods fighting another <laughs> a Hulk, right? So yeah, it's it's not like there's like some sort of commonality between what people in the foreign markets like or what it hits particularly hard in China. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be an issue with Star Wars. Yeah. And we've spoken about this in the past. You know, is it a generational thing? Because the original trilogy maybe doesn't hold that that same sort of nostalgia in those bigger markets, maybe more of your Asian markets, your China, your Japan. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But there seems to be a big issue here with stars, even with the big films they're not pulling as much as your Marvels, your Fast and the Furious, and your domestic or your foreign takes. So that's affecting the global haul, and that's usually where you make your money back. Yeah, like uh, I think they said, what uh, Infinity War made over two hundred million in China. Yeah, in its first weekend. In its first weekend, <laughs> and Solo made ten million. Yeah. So you know that's your big difference right there. It's huge difference, and it, that all comes down to China. Because like I bet you, if you look at the other markets, like even like. China's the big one, right? Yeah. It's the one that makes, like, you can make hundreds of millions. Is there any other country outside of China and the U.S. and Canada? Like, they always combine U.S. and Canada. So we don't really know Canadian numbers, but I assume they're not, like, ginormous. No, and that's just a population thing, too, right? Yeah. But if you look at countries like France, the U.K., Germany, they're often big players in the foreign market when you look at Star Wars or... Well, not as much in Star Wars, but, like, they are your big players. I was going to say, like, is there any other countries that um not call yeah like uh, often do over 100 million north america Oof, and china often do 100 million japan does that do i don't think so i think i i'm not sure we'd have to maybe go look this up but they're not doing those type of like numbers the, the uk is, is that you think like i want to say 60? like i want to say maybe star wars the the force awakens was doing over 100 million in the uk yeah and you're bumping close to that with france and maybe germany is doing 60 or something like that yeah so they're big players in the former and like oh, yeah. they must be big players in the marvel films as well oh for sure but you have to look at this too from a perspective of in the domestic market, the marketing was almost non-existent. Yeah. So was it even worse in the foreign market? Like, is that why this doesn't hit? 
Or does Disney really need to shift its focus to promoting these films, maybe re-releasing the original trilogy, oh, trying to do different things in these big foreign markets to get them to become invested in this franchise? Like, if these films are only doing, like, even go back to Rogue One and that, they're only doing $30 million opening weekend in China. Yeah. Compared to that $200 million, compared to that $100 million that they're doing with these solo outings and all that. Like, that needs to be a market that gets focused. There needs to be someone going and looking and really breaking down why this isn't, these films aren't performing in the foreign market. Like, yeah, sure. The Force Awakens did a billion dollars in the foreign market. Yeah. But it also did $900 million domestically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's something that, to me at least, if you're going to raise concerns about Star Wars as a franchise, I don't think it needs to be, or the focus needs to be on the domestic. Mm-hmm. To me, it's doing fine there. It's always going to do fine there. You just got to, you know, reset those expectations. The shift needs to be, and the focus needs to be on the foreign market. Yeah, I agree. So that that's, I guess, more or less summarizes our general thoughts on the solo box office. So if you go back the last three weeks, including this one, we're going to break it down from three different angles. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to hear your guys' opinions on this. Are we way out to lunch? Am I being a Star Wars apologist on this? Because <laughs> I think the numbers themselves speak and they're they're kind of facts they're finite they're there so bottom line fine domestically the foreign market is where disney needs to focus i i think we had this exact same conversation with justice league and yes. me. <laughs> yeah. yeah i was defending it you know every franchise i said every franchise gets one mulligan so this is just star wars and yeah. it'd be interesting to see how this performs you know to me this kind of looks like it's performing like a star trekian film you know, like some of the ones before the reboot where you had like Star Trek 9, Star Trek 10. Yeah. Some of those. So, you know, um, maybe the solo ones, you know, as we said, we got temper expectations. I'm not thinking Bobo. Like if I have the first pick in the next box office draft when Bobo Fett comes out, I'm not taking it first overall. No, I think you'll see that trickle down to number three or so. Yeah. In, in that box office fantasy draft, which will be interesting to see that if those expectations are adjusted how the next solo film or the standalone film actually performs to see if it performs in line with the last three weeks of our breakdown. I think it too, a big part of it will depend on episode nine. Oh, definitely. If episode nine comes out and is like the force awakens or like empire strikes back, then people are going to be like, okay, like I'm, I love star Wars again. And then, well, not that they don't love it, but you know what I mean? Like it'll get like that hype back. Like when the last Jedi came out, it just wasn't there. No. And I think that has to do with the quality of the movies. Last Jedi, not a terrible movie, but just not as good as The Force Awakens, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, fully agree. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah. And you're starting to fall into this, you know, yearly release trend. Okay, we're getting Star Wars every year. It's no longer an event film. It's not like we're getting an Avengers film every year, right? Yeah. So you have to temper those expectations to kind of come back down. These films aren't going to make a billion dollars a piece. No, no. Like, let, let's kind of reset those expectations, something that we've been banging on about for the last three weeks. And, and realistically, I think that that's about are going to put a cap on our coverage of the solo box office. Yes, we can continue to dissect this thing, but I think in general, our opinions are there. We'd love to hear if you guys align with those, if you think we're nuts or whatever. (laughs) But I think for solo, that's good for now on the podcast. It's the last time you're really going to hear us bang on about the box office, unless it takes a huge spike in the next couple of weeks. You never know. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. But another film I want to touch on just briefly here with regards to the box office is Avengers Infinity War. We've been chronicling this for, what, 40 plus, 45, 50 days or so. And it's finally ticked over that $2 billion global box office mark. 
Now, this is extremely impressive. This joins The Force Awakens, Titanic, and Avatar in that elusive $2 billion club. Nice. It's the first film to do this with a debut in the summertime or late spring. Yeah. The other three all debuted in Christmas time. So it does go to show that these event-style films, especially one that is as good as Infinity War, will make the money. Now, this mm-hmm. thing, I think it's it's foreign take, just to reference back, is almost 70%. Wow. Of that $2 billion is coming from the foreign market. Impressive. So $655 million domestically and $1.346 billion overseas. So, Crazy. So this thing's not going to take over Black Panther, eh? It's Black Panther is like $699 domestically. It's going to be is, close. It, if you look at the comparative days, I think it's been yeah. out for 45 days. Yeah. Infinity War is $5 million ahead of it at the same point in its life cycle. Okay, so but it's close. now we have to remember Deadpool's out, Solo's out, Jurassic World's coming out soon, Incredibles comes out next week. Yeah. And we've got the lingering like oceans, whatever it is, eight. Yeah. So there's a lot of options there. Yeah. This probably isn't going to have the legs to beat Black Panther. So domestically, Black Panther is going to be the biggest comic book movie of all time. Globally, it's going to be Avengers Infinity War. Pretty cool, though. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty interesting. We're living in pretty exciting times where not often in one year you could have two $600 plus million dollar movies and two over $1 billion movies. So. Yeah, well, and just for context, too, of the top 10 highest grossing films unadjusted of all time, yeah. Black Panther's number nine, Avengers is four. So this year, wow. Marvel has placed two in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. This is worldwide? Worldwide, yeah, wow. globally. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. Pretty impressive. MCU, man, just don't bet against it. Don't never <laughs> bet against it, Sanjay. Never. I know, I learned that lesson. I took Star Wars over the MCU. And uh, I guess this proves that the Force has been broken by Thanos. Thanos, yes. Looks like Thanos is... <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet caught Darth Vader's lightsaber. Ooh, you're bringing all sorts of imagery to the podcast. Wouldn't that be like a $3 billion movie? Oh, no, I wouldn't. I can't do that. I don't even want to ever see it in comic books. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that one um, artist for a friend? He drew Darth Vader fighting Doctor Doom. No. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's like, I forget his name. He's a pretty big comic book artist. And his friend's like, oh, I'm like a big Star Wars and Marvel fan. So he drew it. And it's really cool. It's like got the lightsaber and Doctor Doom's coming at him. It's Look it up if you haven't seen it. It's a pretty cool image. It came out like maybe like five, six years ago. But... Badass. I'm going to have to look that up when we get yeah. done here. Awesome. All right, man. Well, while we're talking about Marvel here, let's, let's slide over to a slightly different Marvel universe on the film side of things. Now, Sony is doing their own thing they've got Mm -hmm. venom coming out in october right and in december they've got spider-man into the spider-verse it is an animated feature film that will be on the big screen and it's going to be very separate the same way venom is from the iteration that we're seeing in the mcu with tom holland's peter parker right so that's all staying there spider-man is firmly placed inside of the mcu but given the property and its popularity sony is doing their own thing they're right. trying to make a few bucks off of these characters while they still can. <laughs> yeah. I'm not still fully on board with the idea of Venom being a film, but when I look at this new trailer that's dropped for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I'm extremely excited for this film. Now, it features Miles Morales as well as Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. So mm-hmm. you're really getting into this Spider-Verse, and they've even teased in this trailer something bigger, something more to come. Right. What are your thoughts on this trailer, man? Like, are you excited for this film? Yeah, I mean, when this trailer or when this film was announced, I was kind of thinking like, okay, like, I don't really know what to expect. 
does this really have to be a big screen movie? You know, maybe this could just be like a straight to DVD, like the DC has been doing with those like animated films. So when this got announced, like, okay, like, I'll see, I'll see. And then the first teaser came out. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then this thing came out. I was like, man, this looks really good. Like the animation looks something different. It is fantastic. I've never seen animation like this before. It's like a mix. It's like a mix of different styles. It it feels like a graphic novel come to life. Exactly. It feels like (laughs) that. They've got that 3D animation, that Pixar style of animation a bit. But they've overlain like a real comic book graphic novel vibe to it with oh, kind of yeah. call out bubbles. Yep. And as they're doing certain action sequences, it seems to kind of jump in between. And some close ups, the the filters a bit more granular, so you kind of get a feel that it's it's like almost hand drawn. Yeah. And then it's it's little oh, the art is what's really sucked me into this. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene where he's falling, and there's like the skyscrapers around him. And he's in slow motion in the skies, like things like black or purple. It's a super cool image, and it's just uh, Miles Morales falling down. It's, like this is this is a movie that you know you can just like pause at different scenes oh. when you get it on home video and just like admire the art. It looks like splash pages. Some yeah, of these yeah, this like, is just splash pages brought to life. It looks so good, and the soundtrack that's behind this trailer, which I'm hoping is integrated into the film also fantastic and the story looks really cool and the thing that i like that they did at the start of the trailer is they go out of their way to say this universe is different it's kind of looks like yours but yep. it's a different universe and then you see the the weird coca-cola or coca soda yeah yeah sign there and it's it's really kind of giving you this idea that this is the ultimate universe this is something different mm-hmm. this is where we have multiple spider-man and spider-woman gwen or what is it yeah gwen stacy's um gwenpool no, Gwenpool's something different. I can't remember. Oh, Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And Troy's going to kill me for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool that they've established that up front. And we've got an older Peter Parker mm-hmm. training a younger Miles Morales. And the villains look good. The the kind of the comedic tone that we get there with a couple of scenes with Miles and his dad. Yeah. Absolutely loving that. There's, there's really nothing in this trailer to not like. I have not been this excited. <laughs> about an animated comic book property in a long time yeah i mean i'm totally on board with you although i don't know miles's story but judging because this is a spider-man film i'm a little bit worried about his dad yeah (laughs) he seems like a likable character he seems like a nice guy but always you know something happens so i'm a little bit worried that he's not going to make it to the end of this film yeah you know with (laughs) with great responsibility what is it with great power comes great responsibility thank you very much (laughs) so yeah it's it's a common thread in spider-man yeah spider-man films i'm not gonna give anything away here one way or another oh i don't even know so but it is very exciting to see this and for those that are out there you included grabs that are reading the ultimate spider-man books with miles morales from mm-hmm. uh who did those Troy's gonna come again on this one anyways our spider-man guru is out of town this week of course so. that's <laughs> when we chose to yeah. do the spider-man review for the trailer well if we didn't do this or the deadpool we'd have nothing to talk about this week <laughs> <laughs> the aquaman trailer that we snuck in and saw yes <laughs> <laughs> no but overall like if you guys haven't seen this trailer make sure to go check it out yeah looks brilliant check it out on sony on youtube there and yeah get, let us know your thoughts too on this because mm-hmm. again this is stepping into a slightly different genre type if you want to call it that with the animation than we've seen with other iterations of comic book sort of adaptations like we've seen a lot from dc but this scale seems to be different oh yeah yeah like i mean this looks like something that especially like for like the pure animation something on on par with the lego movie something like that where it's like a big blockbuster where it's gonna like you know this could break out like lego movie everyone thought would just do like okay 
That thing did like gangbusters. Yeah, guess who's got Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse in the pool? The guy who's already won it. Yeah. <laughs> Troy the boy. Troy the boy. I mean, yeah, that Black Panther pick. Uh, you know, we banned Infinity War thinking it was going to be miles above anything else. Yeah. Well, and we only did domestic, not foreign. <laughs> yeah. <too>. So. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of hooped on this one. Maybe maybe me and you can combine foreign. Yeah. Or we can rock, paper, scissors for Infinity War. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week we're going to do a little bit of a Deadpool 2 mini review. And All I got to right. give a shout out here before we get going to grabs. Now we have a question from grabs and we always like to do those weekly questions. But considering the question, the type of it, and with the absence of Troy, we're actually going to save that until next week and just tease a little bit. He wants to know a bit about stores marvel dc games whether they're board games video games or whatever and troy being the big video game guy i want to save that question and get his opinion so we're going to push that to next week as always grabs we appreciate the question Mm -hmm. but this week just just for this week we're going to put that on pause and wait for a full roundtable discussion on that one because i think we can have a lot of fun with it especially with troy in the room that's right we're sorry grabs yeah we couldn't we didn't grab your question this week yeah no theme song only one pun (laughs) (laughs) all right dude so let's talk a little bit about deadpool 2 now in the past we've always done big hour two hour reviews on these films Mm -hmm. but given that we've had solo we've had infinity war come out and deadpool 2 is a film that i know a lot of people want to see haven't quite got there so we want to be able to give sort of a mini review our opinions on the film a spoiler review i will say okay on the film without using an entire episode if that yeah, makes any fair sense enough, fair enough so troy and sanjay a couple weeks ago gave their spoiler free review of deadpool 2 because i hadn't seen it yet but i fortunately went and saw it this past weekend and you know what high level mm-hmm. absolutely love the film yeah had a blast in it i have a few issues with some of the characters and some of the bigger arcs overall i think it's something that you should go check out for sure it's it's a lot of fun in the theater mm-hmm. and a lot of people seemedly did go and check it out because in its opening weekend it made 125 million dollars domestically pretty good pretty good compare that to deadpool which made 132 million dollars more or less on par par there it's kind of in the weeds yeah and it's 25 day total as of this recording it had made 280 million dollars domestically compared to 312 domestically for deadpool so it's relatively performing at the same level as its predecessor which is fairly good for a sequel yeah especially for a comedy sequel that you know rated r comedy sequel. A re- yeah a rated r comedy sequel and a movie that people were wondering could it capture the magic again yes. this is like guardians volume two exactly which a lot of people or some people had issues with. it didn't quite capture that same magic mm-hmm. and that was our big fear going into this is like how do they do the same thing but escalate it make it feel different but also remind us that, yeah, this is what we really liked about the original Deadpool and not stray too far away from that. Mm -hmm. So when you look at this from a Rotten Tomatoes perspective, kind of a barometer here, it's more recently, it's not so much because (laughs) it's a bit shit because of the boycotters and that, but this, both Deadpool and Deadpool 2 both have an 83% Rotten Tomatoes score. The audience scores are both between 85 and 90. So both in general, very well-received films, yeah. both critically and from a general population and from fandom as well. Yeah. And I can see that. I can see why this is hit this way. And I think overall, when we're looking at Deadpool, there's very specific things that we're looking for, right? The fourth wall breaking, yeah. the gore, the swearing, 
and kind of these key references within the film itself really bury itself in Easter eggs, calling out certain things, even things from outside of the universe. Yeah. Do you think that this film was able to capture the essence of Deadpool in a sequel form? Yeah, you know, I think this goes pretty close to the original in terms of capturing that magic or that essence, as you will. I don't think it quite reaches the heights of the first one. Now, I haven't seen the first one in a number of years. It was on TV the other day, and I just like watched it to the end, so only like the last 20 minutes or so. But I just remember going out of the theater. Now, part of this could just be the expectation level yes, that's was 100%. way lower. Going into Deadpool 1, my expectation was it might be like fun, decent, we'll see. And then coming out, I was just like, wow, that was an amazing, amazing film. So the expectation for this one was like ah, super high. Did it reach it? It came close. You know, I'm not going to say it didn't reach it. I'm not going to say it reached it. it. It's it's close, you know. But to me, I just, it didn't quite blow me away as the first one did. But I still really enjoyed it. I mean, this is no knock on the quality of the film. It's still a good film. But to me, I just don't think it reached there. What about you? Yeah, you know, I I really enjoyed watching this film. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. But when I'm going in expecting something bigger, Mm -hmm. I didn't quite get that. Ryan Reynolds kills the role. He is Wade Wilson. He is Deadpool through and through. They hit a lot of the same beats, though, Mm -hmm. in the film. You have Deadpool suffering a big loss. You have him kind of returning to what is the blind owl. You have him losing a limb and regrowing it. You have him kind of coming out on top of the end, some big gore scenes, some really great action scenes. Mm -hmm. The big anomaly in here was cable. Yeah. That was supposed to be your escalation point. And we're going to get into that, but I think you could have really done without cable in here. He didn't to me add that much to the story. You know, Ryan Reynolds commanded and owned the screen Mm -hmm. and the story in itself. Yeah, it was a good story. It, It did something a little different. It wasn't a, villain versus deadpool story it was something a little different there wasn't really an identified villain in this film it was a lot of wade wilson growing as a character i think yeah you know learning to work with others to a degree learning to work inside of a team that seems to be a bit of the theme throughout (laughs) the film is that although the team he does work with most of them die yeah he kind of grows to accept the fact that he needs colossus he needs Mm -hmm. megas on a teenage warhead he even needs that kid he's kind of a protector in a sense right he suffers a big loss but he is kind of portrayed more as a sympathetic character Mm -hmm. a character that is a bit more vulnerable than he was in the original Deadpool. In the original Deadpool, he's just kind of out for blatant revenge. Yeah. Here, he's a bit more of a complex character. And I like what they did there. Mm-hmm. I like the Deadpool story. I think it's a natural progression from what they did in Deadpool 1. And although hitting similar beats, they do have a tendency to do different things visually is what I liked. Like the hand through the gun yeah. and the opening sequence when he's chopping people's heads off and yeah. arms are flying and he's got a chainsaw. So yeah. yeah, they take everything to the next level on the action scenes and they develop Deadpool. But some of the characters that they bring in to support him, I, I'd want to see a little more from that, I think. And maybe I'm more craving an X-Force movie now coming out of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing you did mention about the side characters and all the supporting characters, this movie, the Deadpool 2 movie, didn't feel like there was an, as much downtime as the yes. first Deadpool. You know, you kind of need those scenes in movies, especially like Deadpool movies where you can like 
sit back and like, okay, see what's going on and just like take a breather and then like join the next action set piece. This one seemed more to like jump from like different set action set pieces, like one here, 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 here Yeah. with not as much downtime. And when they did have downtime, it was like way shorter. So all those like side characters, like, um, blind al or megasonic teenage warhead or um dopinder yeah they didn't get their time to shine as opposed to the first one when they all had like funny moments you know yeah. what i mean yeah because he didn't have those moments and like in the first deadpool with tj miller like, yeah in the bar you had a couple of those but the downtimes in this film and i'm not complaining about this but are packed full of easter eggs yeah like the biggest and longest downtime where you kind of take a big deep breath is after he's tried to kill himself and Colossus brings him back to the X-Mansion. Oh, he's yeah. He's rolling around in Xavier's chair. Yeah. You get the huge Easter egg with the X-Men from the, the franchise that's running that around That was now. great. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. How they just close the door, you see Quicksilver, Cyclops, Professor X, and Beast in there. Yeah. That was that was on point. I love that. Was, that. It's one of my favorite Easter eggs in comic book films. Yeah. Period. Oh, yeah. that's I, I remember seeing that. and like, oh, my goodness. They actually brought him in. Yeah. And I like I had to go online to make sure like it was all the characters, it was all yeah. the actors. So I was like, did they just do that really quick? But it looked like them. It was them. I love that. Awesome. But as you're doing that, he's rolling around the X Mansion. He's making lots of references. So it's one of those films that may benefit from repeat viewings because mm-hmm. there's a lot to consume here. And even like you said, even in the down moments, even in the lulls where you're trying to take a breath, there's still a lot coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. And to fully appreciate the film, you have to get all those references. You have to consume them, digest it, and then come out the other side and be like, okay, I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. And sometimes he's teeing stuff up and yeah, it's funny, but I'm kind of thinking, okay, the X-Men are there. Okay. He's on the chair. Oh, now here's Colossus. Okay. Here's a reference to this. What's going on in the background now? Like, yeah. So it's packed full of Easter eggs. And this is the type of things that we want. And I think with a Deadpool film, this is the, this is the type of, at least atmosphere that you need to to project but on a first viewing you don't get all of it oh yeah that's not a fault i don't think of the filmmakers that's just the style of movie it is it's it's very much a comic book movie in that sense where usually you're reading through a panel Mm -hmm. you can be like oh that's pretty cool oh look who's showing up here this it's like split second like i want to go back and just like i want to yell rewind i want to look at the yeah (laughs) yeah i mean this is gonna be great on home video the one thing is you mentioned like all the like coming at you like this 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 might be harder for general audiences who don't read comic books and don't know all the references some of them might fly over their heads so maybe that like i don't know i only went by myself so i don't know if some people who are just like fans of the movies if they would get everything no i like i can tell you right now if my wife went she's gonna get the rob liefeld references yeah even some of the x-men stuff like like shatterstar and you know these type oh, of characters yeah, you're yeah. not gonna get there's a ton of references to even the dc extended universe like it's so dark yeah, I feel yeah. Like I'm, not, I'm not fighting batman i think he says at one point yeah and there's a lot of marvel cinematic universe references so yeah you need to be in this universe you need to be doing what we do to fully get everything from that film so again that's not a fault of the film mm-hmm. that's just what a deadpool film needs to be but it's very quick when it happens the, the original film it was a bit more the the pace was slowed a bit yeah and you even look at the first deadpool because i just rewatched it a couple weeks ago oh, a okay. week or so ago the first part of the film it jumps it's kind of non-linear so right. it takes a moment to slow down, tells you a bit of his backstory when he meets his wife, Vanessa, mm-hmm. and then it jumps to the bridge and you see a bunch of action and then it slows down again. Right. It does a bit of the, the building of his character and then it jumps and then it kind of plows through forward. So you have a bit of time to take a breath mm-hmm. because this is a breakneck movie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally is right. And I think one of the characters that suffers a little bit from the pacing of it all. Now, I'm try- I don't want to sound negative here. Like, I yeah. really, really enjoyed this film. But as we do reviews, you know, this is what we do. We give an opinion. Right. But one of the characters I think that suffers a little from the pace is Cable. Okay, yeah. Because he kind of shows up. And if you don't know who Cable is, you you got a big question where you're like, who's this guy? What's his metal arm doing? Yeah. Well, and he calls it a Winter Soldier arm at one point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love that. Love that. But Cable is this huge legacy character from the comic books. Like Rob Liefeld drew this guy, did this this character. He's got a huge history with, with Deadpool. Mm-hmm. He does time travel, which is a bit confusing. They don't really lean on that too much. They kind of really limit it, saying, oh, now they got one shot here, one shot there. Yeah. I think that was a smart move. Yeah. It wasn't like he was jumping all over the place. It's like if this guy wants to get home, he can't use this technology. Yeah. It's a great way, great way to dampen it and not have this be a factor in the film until the very end. <laughs> yeah, until the end credits. Yeah, because otherwise you're doing time zone thing, right? Boom, oh, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. Boom. And so it's all over the place. But they just don't spend enough time on Cable. Like they portray him a bit as the villain. But realistically, I think other than the aesthetic aesthetics of the character and the fact that having Cable is important in a Deadpool film, mm-hmm. he doesn't serve a huge purpose. Yeah, you don't really know much about his backstory. It's just that his family died. Yeah, you and don't... he calls it Hope, which is cool. Yeah, um, but you don't know that he has a techno virus. Yeah. You don't know that he's uh, the son of Cyclops. No. Nope. They don't mention any of that. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if this was just like a random cyborg, you would have had the same like impact, you know. What it I could mean? have been any character wanting to kill this kid for whatever reason, right? Right. Like you could have effectively. He didn't have to come from the future to say, "Oh, Firefist killed my family." He gets kind of the taste of blood here, yeah, and this leads him down a very dark path. Like, I guess the other fault or issue I have is that Firefist didn't seem like enough of a threat to have someone like Cable want to come back through the time stream to fix something. Right? Like, if you have Magneto, Juggernaut, Apocalypse, Onslaught, yeah. um, Mr. Sinister, Mystique, all these, like, huge X-Men villains, and then just, like, a pyro knockoff? Yeah. That's who you come back in time to stop? Not Apocalypse? Or, yeah. like, any other of these guys? It, and it, it, it's, it suits the story, right? It's, yeah. It's there for a narrative purpose. You need him to come back for some reason. His family mm-hmm. dies fair, fine. It was it was well explained, but you could have done without Cable and saved him for something bigger. You could have had any character chasing this kid in Deadpool making a conscious decision that no, this kid needs to live. I'm going to protect him. Right. This is the character I am. I'm not the hero, but I am the hero, the anti-hero, right? right? So, I'm not going to say that I didn't like Cable being in the film. I liked how he looked. I liked Josh Brolin in the character. I liked his interaction with Deadpool when they fought. Mm-hmm. It was all really, really great stuff. But I was wanting a little more from his motivations and from the character itself. I don't think yeah. we got enough of him to justify him being in the film. Part of me feels like they put him in the film because the end credit of Deadpool 1 was, yeah, we're doing Deadpool 2 and Cable's going to be it. No big right. deal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. They had to. They, they wrote themselves into a corner. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about X-Force? This was something that was teased in the trailers. Yeah. And it's a film that's been on tap from Fox's Marvel Studios portion, whatever you want to call it, for a while. 
they really dive into it and they commit to it to a degree. They commit to the name yeah. and the concept of it, which I'm kind of shocked that they actually did. Now, Deadpool comes out of being an X-Men trainee. Colossus really wants him With to be part of the X-Men. With the penny on, that was That's great. so good, right? Yeah. But then he, as Domino calls out, comes up with this very derivative X-People, no, X-Force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I really love that too. <laughs> it's just so current. But what are your thoughts on, on X-Force being a team for a couple minutes in the film? be honest with you i have no like history or prior history with x-force so when people are like getting all excited about x-force i'm like who's the x-force i only know about the x-men yeah so like maybe this is just like something that i never read or it's just because like i don't Do you know the thunderbolts in marvel and like it's like uh, a group made up of anti-heroes or bad guys doing okay things it's like suicide squad kind of Oh, okay. Like, but that, it's like Wildcats. Or well, so it's guy in the past. It's had like Cable and Deadpool, oh, okay. Wolverine, okay. Domino's been. So it's it's not like an Avengers squad. Yeah, right. It's, it's just guys like, that are willing to do things that the Avengers don't do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, kind of Suicide Squad type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, the characters were pretty cool while they were there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That, that that took me for a loop because when they all died i was like wait what you guys have been hyping these up in marketing yeah i you know what i kind of like that about yeah the film that it was just like okay we have this squad they spent some time it was a bit funny putting them all together yeah but right away we're gonna kill them all except for the character that we actually want to see more of and that's domino yeah yeah did you catch the brad pitt cameo yes i did yeah split second and i had to go online again because that's what i thought in my head i was yeah. like okay i think that was brad pitt but and that's because he was rumored to play cable at the oh, game. Oh, interesting. He would have yeah. been a good cable too, yeah, actually. So I think there's something with scheduling or whatever that he couldn't actually do it. Yeah. But he was supposed to play instead of Josh Brolin. Awesome. But yeah, I, I really liked X Force too. I thought it was the coolest concept. Um I like the Domino, of course, she survived. She's a great character. I want yeah, to see was. more of that. Yeah. Like we need an X Force film now. I don't I'd almost rather an X Force film rather than a Deadpool three. Yeah. I don't know what you do next with Deadpool. Yeah, the story's kind of like written off. It's like, you know, the, the thing with Deadpool is you can't really have like universe altering stakes or stuff like that because he's always there. He's going to like poke a joke or, you know, mm-hmm. make make fun of something or poke a hole in the storyline, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, Deadpool 3, like if, he, if he's surrounded by other more like serious characters in the X-Force, I think that would look really cool if they did something like with him in space or something like that. Yeah, I think what they need to do with him, because if you look at character escalation mm-hmm. and how I talked about, like Deadpool, you got the origin. Deadpool 2, you got a big kind of character evolution in the fact that he may or may not have lost his wife, but he's grown to be a part of some sort of family, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, right? He's aligned himself a bit more with Colossus, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. He doesn't want to be the rogue, the solo anti-hero anymore he's okay with having a bigger family and i think that's important for the character but the next big step isn't him reverting back to doing the solo things it's him going forward with a crew of people that are willing to do those things like i think even colossus has appeared as a member of the x-force he's a good juxtaposition because he can be the one always being like deadpool you can't slice this guy's head off right okay i won't do it next time yeah exactly that's a fun dynamic yeah and then you put domino in there if you can get Wolverine, Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. Oh, can you imagine? Oh my goodness, that would be fantastic. That would be a huge, huge hit. And I bet you, you know, he might he, he might do it. He may, because he had a whole bunch of <laughs> previously <laughs> filmed cameos as well as magazine cameos in this. Yeah, that's so right. Much of before. So I, I think it would be great. And doing an X-Force film where 
all of the characters are in the universe and mm-hmm. Deadpool's the only one that recognizes that he's in a crossover film yeah. and that there's stakes and he's talking to us, but no one else even acknowledges the fact that he's talking to yeah. and breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. They're just doing their thing. And then, so I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of teams, did you catch the alpha flight Easter egg? Yes, I did. Yeah. On the top of the cab there. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine if they ever did an alpha flight movie, how cool that would be for us Canadians? Oh, be fantastic. They're never going to do it, but they may have a, a cameo in an X-Force film of some sort. Bring back Puck, the yep. indicator, Sasquatch. Sasquatch, that's what I was just thinking. I had, I remember they released the action figures for Alpha Flight, and I had like Sasquatch, I had uh, Vindicator, I had, I can't even remember who his wife was, but there was like three or four Alpha Flight. I think Wolverine was part of the team for a while. He was, yeah. I think he does make an appearance to make them popular. <laughs> right. Such a cool team. I mean, well, Alpha Flight was in that Hickman run, right? In uh, Infinity. That's right. When uh, Regina gets bombed. Yes, exactly. Awesome T- stuff. Take that, Baron. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> now, one of the other villain types that were in the film that did make an appearance towards the end, and it's foreshadowed, and I like how they call that out too, Yeah. is Juggernaut yeah what did you think what did you think of the look of juggernaut and his appearance in the film when juggernaut was standing still he looked good yeah. but as soon as he starts moving like he just looked off to me the it was almost like the motion yeah but i like the size of him though i i did it was a much better juggernaut than x3 yeah the last stand with uh i can't remember who played him it was like it was that guy Finney who, jones yeah who's always like the soccer hooligan yeah. Like you need Juggernaut to be like Hulk like. Yeah, and that guy was in a bodysuit too. Yeah. <laughs> X Men three. But yeah, I think he was he was awesome. I think it was a cool appearance. He doesn't do a whole bunch, mm-hmm. but there's a great battle with him and Colossus. I love that. I love seeing him on film yeah. in that form. Yeah. And I love Deadpool's reaction. <gasps> yeah. And then he rips him in half. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually Ryan Reynolds who voiced him. Oh, really? Yeah, he voiced Juggernaut. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for him to take off the helmet and him to act like someone to sh- see his face. Right. And be like, oh, there's a you know famous actor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like the inclusion of the film. I wasn't expecting it. I stayed spoiler free up until about a week ago. Like, yeah. I, I knew going into the film. I didn't cave. I just I came across this. Yeah. After about two weeks or three weeks, that's when the spoilers start showing up a bit more prevalent. Yeah. And they had released an image of him and all this, but... Yeah, I think it was a cool inclusion. It was something out of the gates I wasn't expecting. Because that's mm-hmm. a fairly big character in the X-Men universe to be including in a Deadpool film. Absolutely. 100% agree. And I liked everything. Like, the look to me I thought was off. Like, I really didn't dig the look. And I really didn't dig how he ended up getting defeated. Like, when he when he sho- shoves the... Uh, he gets, like, the electric enema up his butt. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? Like, this is Juggernaut. Like, this is... I know it's a Deadpool film, and I recognize it. Maybe I probably should let it go. But, like, Juggernaut is, like, top... He's one of the top tier of the yeah. Marvel villains and the X-Men villains. He's up there with, like, your Apocalypses. He's up there with your Magnetos, your mr sinisters definitely and and just see him get like an electric enema and that's how he gets defeated i was like really they needed to do something that was funny but they didn't kill him yeah i I guess i mean it served his purpose i would like to see him make a return if the x-men films come back you know you know i mean like if this merger goes through with disney i don't know if they will get another x-men film but you know i'm glad they included him because growing up the animated series, those were always my favorite episodes. Yeah. The ones with Juggernaut. Yeah, he was he was always good in them. I loved him. So now let, let's talk a little bit about the end of this film. We have the the big action sequence at the end here. Yeah. 
We have the sacrifice of Deadpool for Fire Fist that changes his trajectory in the space-time continuum. Yeah. Now, do you think that Cable here... Now, he's, he's a character that, like I said, he didn't get a ton of development. We don't really... We get his base motivations, but mm-hmm. do you think this whole idea of Cable's decision to sacrifice his return home, like, was that earned in the film, do you think? That him using his one last time slide to save Deadpool, put the coin in his chest, allow the time continuum to go forward with his family being saved, but at the same time save Deadpool. You know, it's one of those like weird time travel, um, what are they called? Just juxtapositions or those time travel, like paradoxes. Par- that's the word. It's one of those weird time travel paradoxes because if he stays, he goes back in time and saves Deadpool He'll live his life now until Kate, like Cable, in twenty eighteen dies. But then he'll be reborn again, and then he'll marry his wife again. So he'll have like two lives now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a kind so, of this time travel is a weird. thing. It's a weird thing in movies, but uh, that's what I'm thinking. Like he's, you know, did it work? Yeah, because if he left, then you you wouldn't get the X Force movie. <laughs> well, you can always bring him back, right? Right. Right. And, and they do find a way to do it in the end credit scene. Well, yeah, they fix it all anyways, right? So yeah. They even fix the death of his wife. To yeah. Degree. So to me, from a storytelling perspective, if we're looking at this as a serious film, it's not earned. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it works for me. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of a cool sacrifice. I like that they used it only the one time. Yeah. It wasn't like they used it three or four times throughout the film to do different things until the end credits, of course. Yeah. But... I, I can buy into it. You know, it wasn't my favorite part of the film. It was maybe a bit predictable, mm-hmm. but it was kind of cool to see Deadpool put this the dampener on, make the sacrifice, show the character growth that he's not kind of this selfish person out for just pure revenge. He had something to prove. He wanted to save this kid. He wanted to die himself, and this was a noble way to do it. So yeah. it did show a lot of progression in the character, how it was executed. Yeah, it was just fine for me. It's... I don't expect any less and I don't expect any more. Yeah. You know, I can give it a pass based on that because of the type of film it is. It was an enjoyable enough film. It had to get to an end point. It had to complete the arc of Deadpool where he was going and and growing. He was clearly wanting to sacrifice something. He wanted to die. Mm -hmm. So why not do it instead of killing himself like he did at the start? Why not sacrifice himself for the greater good? And I think that's where Cable gets, right? That's where he decides, okay, this is probably worth it. For if it was maybe a different film, I would have wanted to see a bit more of Cable Deadpool relationship to actually earn that out. Right. But at the same time, it is what it is. It's fine. It works for me. Yeah. No. That that makes perfect sense. All right, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about these post credit scenes before we give a recommendation. Oh my goodness! <laughs> before we talk about the post credit scene, the the music in this movie, oh yeah, fantastic. Well done. You had Cher, Celine yeah. Dion. Yeah, and very unexpected contributors to a Deadpool film. <laughs> yeah, but it worked. I liked it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Even the start where he's doing the like up on the chair and the bolts are falling. Oh like yeah, very poster. James Bond's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. It felt yeah. like a James Bond film. Yeah. At the start there. That was hundred percent. Hundred percent. That was great. All right. These end credit scenes okay now the mid credit scene is negasonic teenage warhead and her girlfriend yokio repairing cable's time travel wrist thing mm-hmm. and now wade wilson has it and <laughs> i think this is absolutely fantastic very very much a deadpool end credit scene he goes back first and saves vanessa so i'm assuming she's gonna be alive in the next film hopefully and then we have him going back and killing 
the X or the X Men Origins Wolverine Deadpool. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so good. That's so great that they recognize like, hey, we kind of made a mistake with this Deadpool, and uh, we're gonna correct it. Yeah. At first, when I saw Hugh Jackman, I was like, oh, did they are they gonna reshoot something with some interaction? Oh, can you imagine if they reshot him with like the real Deadpool instead of that abomination, or just having like him like pulling back in his claws and being like Wade, like, and just talking to him and yeah. then being like. Maybe I'll see you around sometime. It's just like that would be that oh, would have been kind of cool. That's that. what I thought they're gonna do with it. Yeah, but it's cool, and he's just like, I'm just fixing the timeline here. Yeah. <laughs> so does that mean now that X Men Origins Wolverine we don't have to watch it anymore? It's it's burned off the face of the earth. So it was already done like that in uh, Days of Future Past, right? Because it went back far enough to erase that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because I think it was like in, supposed to be in the 80s and that film Dead or Days of Future Past goes back to 74 or something ah, like that. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So it's already erased, but it's kind of cool they did that. And then the second one is when he goes back and shoots a younger Ryan Reynolds <laughs> when he is getting very exciting, entering the big leagues, as he says. That's amazing. The Green Lantern script. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> How did they get away with that? You think if you're Warner Brothers or DC, you're like, uh, what? Do they need to ask for permission just to put Green Lantern on... Well, it is a, a piece of paper. Co- copyrighted character. Like, you couldn't do, like, Iron Man, could you? And, like... I have no idea. I don't know how it works, but I thought, you know, I thought that was pretty funny. And, um, unfortunately, that film didn't p- play out, but this this makes it all worthwhile for this end credit scene. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I gotta know, man, do you recommend Deadpool 2? Absolutely. I mean, we kind of put some negative parts on it but this movie is so funny you have to see it in theaters and you have to really just enjoy the humor just go into it you'll have a good time the action is pretty good um the story is the story is like all right it's pop it's passable but the main thing is the humor the references that's what really sells this film to me and that's why i recommend it yeah i'm right there with you man echo those exact same thoughts i definitely recommend this film like you said yeah, we shone a, a bit of light on some of the negative stuff. Yeah. But overall, it's a great film. It's a lot of fun. And going into a Deadpool film, that's exactly what you want to hear and exactly what you want to feel coming out of it. I absolutely love the references. This is one of my favorite Easter egg films oh, in yeah. comic book movie film. Like, yeah, usually we get a couple nice Easter eggs, Guardians, whatever, a few little things. Mm-hmm. But this was packed full oh, yeah. of references. I'm really looking forward to getting this at home and watching and looking for those easter eggs the ones i miss on first viewing so yeah it's gonna be one of those films that i think it's gonna age really well it gives us another great entry into the deadpool franchise yeah it develops the character and it leads us down a path where i think we're gonna get an x-force film yeah hopefully. so i'm excited and i want to see more of ryan reynolds killing it in this character mm-hmm. both literally literally and figuratively <laughs> he is he's again like a hemsworth like an evans like a downey jr right this guy is born for this role. I yeah. want to see him, and I want to see them continue with this franchise. Even if they get rid of all the X stuff, I'm cool with him just making offhanded references to everything oh, else yeah. and just going forward with this X-Men universe to focus in around Deadpool. I agree. I agree. Uh, should we just give like a quick, because this is now there's been 11 X-Men films. Should we just give a quick, not official, but just like off the top of our heads, top 10 X-Men films? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I, I, you know, my, what's your last one? I'm going to go like, obviously origins for me is like, didn't quite make the list because there's 11 films. So one of them gets cut for me. It's origins. Yeah. Origins uh, out. Yeah. I, I think so. Then my least favorite, I'm going to go with X3 last stand out of the top 10. Top 10. Oh, I didn't write any of this down. So it's going to be rough top of my head. I wasn't a huge fan of apocalypse. 
Yeah. No, I didn't love that film, so I'm going to put that at the bottom. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, Next one I have is The Wolverine. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy that movie, but it wasn't the best. But did I like it better than anything else? No, I'm going to have to go with you there, Wolverine number nine. Okay, okay. And then I have the first X-Men film. Hmm. You know, so actually, the X-Men films have been pretty, like, bang on. Most of them. I think they're batting at, like, 70%. Yeah, as much as I, I liked the first one, I went back and recently rewatched it. Does it hold up? No. Yeah. The CGI isn't great, and the story in itself, like, it wasn't really adapted from anything. It was yeah. an original story. Yeah. So it's a bit harder. So I'm going to put... I'm going to put X1 in here, and then my next one will be X3. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, not to take anything away from the first X-Men film, because 18 years ago, it was groundbreaking. 2000. I remember yeah. when I went and saw this with my cousin in yeah. the Aurelia Cinema 4. <laughs> like, the seats were all awful. But yeah. I remember watching it and being like, whoa, this is amazing. And they had, like, Northern Alberta. I'm like, that's where I'm from, yeah. kind of. Not really. But it says Alberta, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Same province exactly uh next one i'm gonna i'm actually this is kind of controversial i'm gonna go first class Ooh, great film great film but there's just so many great films it is a great film i'm trying to think what we have less left here um we got deadpools both of them x2 days of future past logan oh yeah so i'm have to go with logan in here okay okay Logan in the slot. You guys know my my issues with Logan are well chronicled on this podcast, <laughs> so that's why that's sitting there. All right, I'm gonna go. This one might be controversial. I actually enjoy this film a lot more. New Apocalypse. Wait, 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 not for me. Yeah, to me, it's just like a fun action film that you can just shut your brain off and just watch, and it's got like decent special effects, and the story is kind of meh, but special special effects sold it for me, and just good action set pieces for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, in this slot, I'm going to have to go with First Class. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to put Deadpool 2 now for number five. Okay, okay. I can, uh, given what we have left, I can align with that one. Deadpool 2 is going to okay. sit here for me. All right, and then number four, I'm going to go with the first Deadpool. Okay. What do I have left here? So I have Deadpool. Deadpool X2. Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. And, and I think I might be one ahead of you yeah so there's only three i have left so i'm gonna go in this slot with deadpool deadpool okay yeah. okay yeah um and then number three i have x2 Ooh. yeah such a good film i remember this one came out this one like raised the bar you got to see nightcrawler in all his glory for the first time and the story like hints of wolverine's origin and hints of the dark phoenix saga yes okay i'm gonna go with my number two yeah i'm gonna go with the days of future past nice and that's my number two as well okay i love that film such a good it's really good film. yeah really good and then number one for me is uh x2 nice nice love that one but number one for me logan yes yeah okay all right it's good list man I, you know i'm saying we gotta do one of these days we're gonna do uh once the x-men universe is done Hopefully it's not for a number of years, but if it is next year, we're going to do maybe like an X-Men versus MCU where we're going to have like them battling and see which one Battle comes out on X-Men top. X-Men versus Avengers, Avengers versus X-Men. Let's do it up. Cool. But yeah, X-Men universe has been fun. I'm really looking forward to rewatching these films. I'm going to give them a rewatch if this is like the end, if we're getting down to the nitty gritty and we only get a couple left. 
so be it. But it's been a heck of a ride. They lasted 19 years, 20 Since years. So. 2000, yeah, man. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a great ride. I've really enjoyed them. I think that quite a few of those films made a big difference in the genre itself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have films like X2, even Logan, I'll give it the credit. Yeah. Where credit's due, although I don't love the story. But it did big things to that character, Deadpool. So even Days of Future Past, right? That oh, melding of two movie. different universes. Yeah. So they have a lot of pivotal films in that franchise. Now, there's some weaker films in there, of course. Yeah. But even like First Class, fantastic reboot. Amazing. So we were talking film. about reboots yeah. earlier. There's another one. Yeah, yeah, you called. Yeah, that's a Pseudo good one. reboot, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great films out there and in that franchise in particular. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward... I guess a bit to Dark Phoenix or whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. but I'm interested as to what comes next, whether it's Capcom or whether it's Disney in the MCU. I don't really know at this point, but there's there's a great franchise there already. Yeah, and yeah, the timeline really bothers me <laughs> like, to no end, and I'm trying to push that into my brain. Yeah, but at the same time, there's some good content there. So overall, yeah, I think those are good lists, good lists to have, and. There it is, Deadpool 2, both recommending it. Yeah. I know Troy recommends it as well. Maybe we'll get some thoughts and opinions next week. Yeah. But I guess for now, that that's, about wraps it up for us here at the Nerd Room. That's it's been that's great, all, folks. It's been great talking, man. I thought it was going to be a short one. I think that every week, and they're all one and a half hours long. So <laughs> I do what I can to steer us off track. Yes, just the tangents. I love it, though. I yeah. love it. That's, that's the whole idea of a conversational <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right, guys. If you want to be a part of the show, you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our YouTube or our Facebook pages. We're always, always, always on Twitter. Our handle's at the end of the episode, and you always grab us at thenerdroom.net. Just click contacts, and then on that website, that you can see all of our latest podcasts or movie or film reviews you can see the mcu stuff that we've been doing you can see marvel star wars all that it's all organized there if you're looking for something very in particular and very niche and make sure to always go check out everything that everyone's doing at the star wars commonwealth that's all the podcasts that we are associated with there's nine of us now in this big group and you can see everything that everyone's doing over at star wars commonwealth.com awesome stuff all right man well i guess until next week when hopefully we're talking about an aquaman trailer my man my man (laughs) for the nerd room i'm tim and i'm sunji and thank you for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy and sunjay on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 and sunjabby for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean and youtube be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.